0: what it is, what's up, and welcome everyone to episode 100 of Faces and Feels Pro Wrestling Podcast. I'm your host, Rafe Houston, and I just want to thank everyone for their support over these 18 months. I began this podcast uh, back in, gee September 2020. Um, The world's changed a lot since then. A lot has happened. Uh, But one thing I can tell you is I'm Really glad I did this. I've met like a lot of awesome people, many of which I call true friends and I speak to daily. Um, the support that I've had from the listeners has just been really humbling. And all I can say is thank you, man. Like thank you to anybody that's ever lent their time to the show. And that includes anybody that's just like hit download or listen to a clip or liked anything on Facebook or subscribed on a feed or given a five-star rating or whatever it may be. I'm still only getting started and there's still a long way to go, but it's been just such a rewarding journey that I've had. Um, And, yeah, what better way to see in episode 100 than with the one, the only, no God, only slack for episode 100. Man, Schlack and I recorded this episode back in December, just after NGI. He'd been injured in the tournament. Um, And we got on the phone and we had a chat. And I had always intended to release this as episode 100. I wanted somebody awesome and somebody I'm a huge fan of. Schlack's like one of my favorite wrestlers, my wife's favorite wrestler. And he was so generous with his time. And like, when I say like, I have never missed an interview before, I slept through our first interview. I completely fucked up the time. And this man was very gracious. He was so understanding, didn't even care. So to to put aside his, you know, tough guy rep for a hot second, I can't say enough about how much of a gentleman he was and how giving he was with his time, you know, to me. And and it means a lot. So I want to thank Slack for his time. Uh, I hope everybody really enjoys this interview um, as I said, we record in December, we hope to get it out January. I was running double episodes, I was really hoping to get it out, but unfortunately my wife, uh, kind of felt ill, quite a few people know about that and have been very, very supportive of me during that time, so it couldn't quite come out, and even the other week when I hoped to drop it, I couldn't, and if she's not around to, to like, help me, she, she makes all the graphics for my podcast and everything like that, like we were a team on this show, so, if Amy's not doing well, then I'm not doing well. So I told everybody I was going to hold off, nothing but support again. And so now we've finally come to episode 100. So I want to thank my beautiful wife, Amy. Get well soon. I want to thank Schlack for his time. And I want to thank each and every one of you for what you've given me. So thank you and enjoy the episode. <laughs> What it is, what's up, and welcome everyone to Faces and Feels. I'm your host, Rafe Houston, and today I'm joined by a very special guest. It is public animal number one. It's the human meat grinder, the man known only as Schlack. How are you today, sir? Still alive,
1: my man, still alive.
0: (laughs) Only just... Whether
1: that's good or bad, I couldn't tell you. That goes, uh, you know, day to day. <laughs>
0: yeah, well, exactly right. Um, but before we jump into anything, I just want to check how you're doing with the injury, man. Uh, obviously, the NGI just happened. And, yeah, you sustained quite a nasty gash. I won't lie. I was watching the show. I looked down to, like, answer my phone or something, and I turned up and you were bleeding out. And I was like, what the fuck just happened? Are you all right?
1: I did, like, uh, I grabbed a bunch of light tubes and I, like... uh. Just ran directly into a kit to, like, spear them into a gusset plate board mm-hmm. thing. And I guess I fell on the tubes wrong, you know. Yeah. You can do that shit 30 times in a row, but law of odds, I guess. You know, 31st yeah, yeah. time, you know, something's going to go wrong. And got, like, 30 stitches. I got two real bad cuts on my forearm. Jesus. Uh, it's still pretty fucking swollen, but most of it's gone down. There's just one, like, lump part yeah. on the one part of the... Uh, Stitches and I think it's maybe um you know like the meat was hanging out of the hole. So maybe they stuffed it in. It's like maybe my arm is deformed there now or something. I don't know.
0: Might it might be something that you can turn into some kind of wrestling gimmick weapon where that part's like harder than the rest or something like that. (laughs) Thirty stitches, man. I once had like I don't know, seven stitches and I was like, guys. I don't think I can play again. I think I've got to miss the show. I don't think I can do anything in my life until till they're out. So have you been uh, have you been waylaid a little bit? You're just chilling out?
1: Yeah, but I just sitting on the couch, like I said, I can't really do much of fuck all. I can't really – because it's on the underbelly of my forearm, so yeah. I can't really play guitar because my forearm sits on the guitar, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's yeah. My, I'm right-handed. Mm-hmm. I can't really tattoo because my arm lays on it, so – I'm just getting stoned and watching TV,
0: <laughs> just chilling out. Yeah,
1: no, I, it's not like I don't, you know, it's not like I don't need that, you know. I, I, I'm a constant fucking workaholic. I know it doesn't appear that way, but nonstop, dude. I'm always doing something, so it's kind of good that maybe you know, the gods told me, yo, slack, relax a little bit, dude.
0: Yeah, time, time to chill out. Like a little bit of forced R and R. It's bad, right. but it's not career-ending bad, pump the brakes right. for a little bit, take stock, and then, then jump back in.
1: But, um, I don't know, you're supposed to cut stitches out in, like, 10 to 14 days or something? Yeah, yeah. The doctor's in the hospital, because it was in Chicago. The doctors were like, "Are you going to go to the hospital and get something?" I'm like, "Nah, dude, I'm going to cut these out." They're like, "Yeah, well, I don't even know why we asked."
0: <laughs> They're like, "We knew you were going to do this yourself." This is <laughs> 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 I'm not going in there,
1: wasting my fucking time.
0: Yeah, what do uh, I've I've always kind of wondered, like how that fucking whole scene goes, like when you come in. Like, when it happened, right, like, the match is finished, you're out of there. Are you straight to the hospital? You are, right? Like, so you, you go straight to the hospital, you come in, you're you, you're bleeding everywhere and stuff. Like, are they panic stations at that point? Are they thinking this being, like, I don't know, uh, an axe murder? What What's going on?
1: I mean, I'm completely calm. You know, this is, like, I've been in a hospital, I don't 40 times, Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, in the emergency room, so it's, I'm used to, I, I know, I've been bleeding you know, through music and wrestling and cause I used to, you know, like punk rock, cut your head with beer bottles and shit. Yeah, yeah. I've been doing that shit since I was like 18 years old. <laughs> uh, so I, I know how much blood it takes. And, and I know when I get to a certain point, when I should be nervous, you know yeah. what I mean? Mm. I'm in the hospital, stand there and it's just pouring out. and I'm not at nervous mode yet. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I'm in, Full wrestling gear, my boots, my knee pads. I have glass still stuck all over me from the blood and sweat from the rest of the match. So I'm standing in the fucking lobby, you know, in the uh, emergency room. And everyone comes out looking at me like, what the fuck just happened to you? You know, looks like a, a train just ran you. I <laughs> <laughs> you
0: are you just like? Don't worry about any of this, like the glasses or something. Yeah. They're, they're like they think you've gone through a car windshield. You're like, all of this. Don't worry about this. I just need to look at this one thing.
1: Right, right. They'll do. They'll keep you in there for hours. You know. They're like, well, you have a little cut over here. I'm like, don't worry about that shit over there. This is what I need. Stop bleeding. I'll take care of everything else, man. Yeah. Trust me on this. <laughs>
0: you're like, do you see how many scars are on this body? We've been here before. It's totally fine. (laughs) They're
1: trying to explain to me, like the the lady's like, you don't really want to take a shower or or get these stitches wet. You should put a bag over. I'm like, what? How much fucking sense does that make? Wouldn't you think, uh, logically speaking, cleaning the cut and getting the cut wet, as, as long as I'm drying it off and not soaking it in like a tub
0: where bacteria
1: can form... I don't see what the fucking problem is, you know? So I'm telling the nurses their job.
0: <laughs> I was about to say, at this at this stage, you're fucking a borderline paramedic anyway. Like, you, you've just lived it. Like, they're reading out textbooks. You're like, I'm in the trenches.
1: Yes, yes yeah. exactly. <laughs> I actually, when I first started tattooing many moons ago, um, in the state of New Jersey, where I'm from, you used to have to get EMT training in order to get your tattoo license. Yeah, right. So I have some EMT training, so when I'm in the locker room and people are coming back all cut up, I'm usually the first person. You ever see people call me Dr. Schlack? Because they're always like, get Schlack over here and have them take a look at it, because I actually have a little EMT training.
0: (laughs) That's hilarious. Who was I speaking to the other day? I think it was Remington. It was. It was Remington Raw. Uh, we did an interview the other day and he said he kind of got a little bit hurt and it wasn't until Schlack told him that he should probably get it looked out that he fucking took it seriously. <laughs> like when it, <laughs> in that tournament or whatever where he had to jump out and not be in the finals and it, and you were like, nah, dude, I think you got to go. And he's like, all right then, I'm gone.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, that's the last on my list is, you know, I'm the last person that's going to send you to the hospital. You know, man the fuck up, put some super glue in that motherfucker, wrap it up with bandage, you'll be fine. You know, you're going to live, dude. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I, the last thing I want to do is send you to the hospital, you get a bill. Just, just the fact that you got to sit in there is a fucking pain in the ass. Yeah, yeah. You know, so the last thing I'm going to do is recommend the hospital. So when I do say I have to go personally or you have to go, you probably have to go to the fucking
0: hospital. <laughs> That's the real shit then. That's when it's yeah. gone down. <laughs> exactly. Well, um, before we, we uh, get all the way into your history with Deathmatch everything, let's take a little bit of a rewind, man. When I start my shows, what I usually like to ask people was, <coughs> what were some of the first um, faces that stood out to you when you got into wrestling? So when you think about uh, when it first started to appeal to you, who were like some of the wrestlers that stood out, man?
1: Wrestlers that stood out to me. Well, I mean, the earliest I can remember, you know, Saturday morning, WWF. Yeah. The Ultimate Warrior, dude. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, if you you can't see the Ultimate Warrior in me at all, you know, uh, uh, Ultimate Warrior, I remember um, the Missing Link. You remember that guy? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. He used to paint his head green. Yeah, yeah. Him, uh, Bam Bam Bigelow, that's probably my favorite wrestler of all time. Yeah, I can say that. <laughs> yeah, uh, Beast from the East, man. He's he's only from a couple miles away from me. Yeah, uh, you know, I mean, I like the million dollar man because he was such an asshole. <laughs> he's the <laughs> best, eh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, and then I, you know, I'm from
0: New Jersey, South Jersey,
1: uh, and Philadelphia, my family's from Philadelphia, so. I got the ECW shit real early. You yeah, know what wow. I mean? So then they graduated from the Saturday morning stuff to, you know, Sabu and yeah. dude, at early Benoit and let's see. Uh, Dean Malenko was the fucking man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, those guys, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then they graduated to once I found Japanese wrestling and mexican luchador stuff then it was the rabbit hole goes so damn deep man
0: yeah exactly and what kind of age do you think when you're like starting to do acw and then you're you're seeing you know japanese stuff i assume stuff like fmw and shit like that like or...
1: how old was i yeah <laughs> uh probably around 17 yeah mm-hmm. somewhere around there you know uh maybe a little younger maybe longer my brother's like forcing that shit on me you know what i mean <laughs> They, they did the same thing with music when when I was a kid um uh, I remember we had a class and you had to bring in a a song that you liked you yeah, know yeah. What I mean uh-huh. uh, and I brought in um a fucking big balls from ACDC That's and it. they're playing big balls and I'm and I'm fucking dying laughing because they're saying balls you know I'm, yeah I'm like a, I'm like an eleven year old kid ten year old kid. Uh-huh. And then I go home and my brother's like, ah, fuck that shit. You need to hear this. And they play me like Gigi Allen and the mentors at like 10 and 11 years old. They're like, this guy eats his own shit. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, so I had like a fast forward in life from my brothers. Cause I have three older brothers that are like 10 years older than me.
0: Yeah. So, so like basically where they're at at uh, uh, 10 years ahead, they've got you fucking on that yeah. stuff at like 11, 12. Right, and when you get
1: that poisoning at at ten years old, then when you grow up as an adult, you get someone like me.
0: Unfortunately, <laughs> they look back at they look back and they're like, "Yeah, we really did something there." <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Do they um do they love the wrestling? Like if they if they were into that kind of stuff and getting you into that that little bit more extreme kind of style, are they about it now?
1: I mean, my one older brother is, but you know, my two other brothers are not. My one brother's dead; he died of a heroin overdose.
0: No, oh, I'm sorry, man.
1: I mean, you know, it is what it is. He
0: was an asshole. Yeah. My uh, brother's also an asshole who's probably due to die of a heroin overdose at some point. I don't know what he's doing, so fuck him. I mean, it's just this, it you know what I mean? And, yeah.
1: You know, love the guy, but, you know, reality sets in sometimes. Yeah. Well, they, they,
0: like, the, there's a certain point where, and I, I've always kind of looked at it this way, it's like everybody has a path to walk and the, you have every opportunity in life to kind of, like, walk the right one. And whenever you choose to go that other way and be it, you know, extreme drug use and crime and things like that, you've chosen your own path. So I never really had any super sympathy for it. It's like I kind of mourn not speaking to him, but I don't fucking, like, forgive him or, or like, look to men fences or anything like that. I'm like, nah, whatever, man. Like, do you? If you need a ride to
1: rehab or court, Give me a call if not, leave me the
0: fuck alone. <laughs> not even then, I'm like, fucking call me in 20 years when you've got your shit together and like a wife and kids and you're like a normal guy until <laughs> then, fuck off. Like, yeah, exactly. Yo, anyway, I, I fucking completely derailed what you were saying. Sorry, no, so it's yeah, fine. yeah, Let's so go back. The
1: motherfucking sheep herders,
0: dude. Oh, yeah, another Australia, a lot of Australian references in here. Hell yeah, yeah, yeah. well, I mean, New Zealanders for the sheep herders. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly right. Now I I loved all that stuff. I remember Ultimate Warrior. I think was probably like the defining moment when I got into wrestling as well. Because in Australia it was never on TV, right? I right. I, fir- I first got into it because a kid at school like traded me uh, a WWF magazine for like oh. a, like a paint texture or whatever, and so and it had Hulk Hogan and stuff on the front, and I was like, oh yeah, cool. I'll just see it. And I remember scrolling through, and in the center was just like a full page ultimate warrior like jack to the gills the streamers and the thing and I was like what the fuck is this guy you know he looked like every superhero I'd ever seen in my life you know like it was it was like unbelievable and that whole power and paint thing uh you know and then the legion of doom and all those guys any dudes that were like jack dudes with face paint screaming at me I was pretty into it
1: yeah how could you not like those as a kid they're like superheroes they look like G.I. Joe action figures, you know what I mean? Uh, I mean, just alone, just just Ultimate Warrior's entrance alone, when he would, it was like heavy metal riffs, ja, 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 and he would sprint to the fucking ring. I remember like sitting on my couch, like jumping on my couch as a little kid, watching him run to the ring, and he was one of the only dudes that were like gorilla pressing people over his head. Yeah. He was like a, 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 a above normal, like hyperhuman being, you know? That's why I gravitate
0: to him, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Well, when you're a little kid as well, like, you're not looking like, I hope the Ultimate Warrior is going to put on a five-star 30-minute fucking classic. <laughs> you want the Ultimate Warrior to come out at a fucking hundred miles an hour, get in that ring, shake the ropes, gorilla press some dude, and then leave. That's all you want from him. <laughs> it
1: looks like he's like one notch away from cardiac arrest. <laughs> That's how I want
0: my wrestler. Yeah, exactly. I want him near death at all times, and I want all his promos to make literally no sense as he screams with right. every vein in his face just going completely nuts. That's what I'm chasing. Have you
1: ever seen the one promo he did? It was like a an anti-smoking ad.
0: <laughs> what?
1: Dude, I'll send it to you when the, the, we're done filming the podcast. Like, uh, he, He's talking about no smoking. He's in front of one of those green screens with, like, the big Ultimate Warrior face paint logo behind yeah. him and he's screaming like something, 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 don't smoke. And he's got two hands of like forty cigarettes in his hand. <laughs> he starts eating the cigarettes and they ripping them and spitting them out. So like,
0: oh, it's amazing, dude. It's amazing. He's he was like on so many drugs, right? Like <laughs> he was <laughs> like he can't wh- get
1: the on all the drugs
0: every drug at once like <laughs> yeah. that promo when like it's I think it's like Shawn Michaels he's like in a three man team or something it's like Shawn Michaels and someone else and they're like trying to cut a promo and he's just like wrapping them in like some kind of stream yeah. or something he's just like lapping them and shit and they're like looking at him like what the fuck is this guy doing <laughs> utter
1: nonsense spewing out of his mouth when it's his turn to talk
0: yeah just talking well, about like UFOs and the warrior. And yeah. stuff, and you're like, "What's he even fucking talking about?" But hey, it worked. The kids were like, "How it. can I prepare myself for this match? Should I lay down on the lawn and have them run over me
1: with lawnmowers?" Like, <laughs> I mean, if that's your training regimen, go for it, brother.
0: <laughs> exactly. Let's get let's get the Ultimate Warrior into deathmatch. He he was yes. ahead of his time. He was ready to go. <laughs> you're saying so you start getting into a bit more extreme stuff, anyway. Beyond the Ultimate Warrior, though, he we will agree that he was the most extreme. And then after that, you downgrade down to like you know exploding barbed wire matches and all the, and all this kind of stuff. Pretty tame right, right. for like you know sixteen through seventeen years old. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, once you discover Abdul the Butcher and Bruiser Brody, then it's all downhill after that. Oh,
0: yeah, yeah. Okay. So that th- yeah. that's well, I can even see those influences in what you're saying, but yeah, they uh, are pretty striking. And if you're you're looking at that as a teenager, stuff, you're not really wanting to tune in and see like you know coco beware and the ultimate warrior at that stage you're, you're wanting to see electrocutions and fork attacks and people like swinging absolutely, chains and like, yeah
1: i think that that's like where the line of um punk rock and rock and roll music you know yes. metal where that line crosses over i think i think abdul the butcher and bruiser brody is the most punk rock fucking thing imaginable you know what i'm saying yeah two dudes in wrestling range doing some wrestling moves, but majority of it, they're stabbing each other. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that's, and then, you know, then like I said, my brothers throw a little dose of Gigi Allen and the mentors Mm -hmm. and anti-scene and on top of that, you know what I mean? And then it all kind of like culminates together to this weird underground punk rock wrestling universe you know yeah. what i'm saying
0: yeah yeah just like a mix of all the shit you like all in one place right. it's like fucking dudes fighting and music that's kind of like promotes that and it's fucking like tattoos, and it's fucking spitting and alcohol and drugs and just everything fucking right. all meshed together and it's badass like i didn't know wrestling could be that until i was fucking in my 30s, man. Like, I'm not, e- I'm not even joking, and I don't give, like, a f- fuck about, like, oh, this guy doesn't really have the credibility because he didn't watch for-. I don't give a fuck. So, like, my, my entire life, like, you know, younger years, it's WWF and stuff, right? And WWE, mm. and that's all I know. WCW goes away, whatever. And even ECW, like, I knew about it because it came into my world, but it was never on TV. Like what I saw, I had to go to video stores and like rent out WrestleMania nine and shit like on VHS and then DVDs and stuff. Yeah. The right. internet wasn't a thing. Cause I'm old as fuck. Uh, and then like when, um, and then I get out of it and I go to university and I play in a band for 10 years and I don't really care about John Cena and I, I'm right out of wrestling. Um, and then I, I'm flicking through channels and I see like Randy Orton, like it's, was it Seth Rollins like curb stomp Randy Orton through a cinder block or something? Just as I'm flicking through cable channels, and I was like, "What the fuck's this?" And so <laughs> I, I like then me and my my wife are "She's like, like, oh, I used to like wrestling." We're like, "Oh, what's this shit?" And so then we start watching it again. But then by then, podcasts and stuff exist, right? So then I start to learn about stuff like New Japan and learn about Ring of Honor and all these things. I go to Wrestle Kingdom in Japan because we're going there for holiday. I walk it, I, we're like trying to see extra shows and I go to the Karakun Hall thing and I'm like, what's going on? And Zero One's on, a friend's like, you should go see it, this Australian guy's there. Get handed a flyer for Big Japan, walk in and see a hundred light tubes deathmatch with Abdullah Kobayashi and then I'm like, oh, this is what I've been looking for my entire fucking life <laughs> right. is how instantly, it felt like. In,
1: instantly hooked and you become a junkie with it, dude.
0: Yes, well, it's, it's the shaped rabbit hole everything. So, yeah. the, rabbit,
1: the rabbit hole is so deep once you start diving in, man. You know, then, then you get, like, lobster matches, you know,
0: in the tank of water. <laughs> it gets so crazy. Some of that stuff, I look back at it, I'm like, were they fucking joking? Like, what was actually going <laughs> Piranha matches and stuff, and you're like, this, this stuff is crazy. But it, like, yeah, it completely reshaped my fandom, like, that match. I was right. like, oh, I didn't realize it could even be this. And then even seeing stuff like, you know, uh, Casanova's documentary and seeing like the no ring stuff for the first time and I'm like what do you mean I could have been playing shows and dudes could be like fighting in between matches and stuff like, <laughs> like 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 sets and stuff that's so fucking cool to me it's all the stuff I like all in one place and yeah it wasn't until I was fucking yeah in my 30s till I even knew it existed just because of like the fucking world I live in you know um yeah I, I kind of I don't
1: want to not the 30s but I kind of you know when I was younger, I loved wrestling. Mm-hmm. Then I discovered, you know, drugs and guitars and stuff like that. And then mm-hmm. started to beer and pussy and started to <laughs> rock and roll, you know what I mean? Yeah, play yeah. music. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I caught up in that. And wrestling was always in the background. I always liked it a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, and then I started a band. Because, uh, like I said, uh, all the other bands, most of the time I was the front man sometimes yeah or I play guitar and do vocals mm-hmm. and I would cut my head like GG out and bleed and throw bottles around and be an asshole. <laughs> and um then a couple like Philadelphia is huge for these like scum rock bands mm-hmm. of stuff like that like anti scene and beer drinking, bleeding, punker bands. Yeah. Real like roughhousery bands. Philadelphia's huge with that. I, I don't know if that has anything to do with Philadelphia being the birth of CZW and Ring of Honor and ECW, you know, I don't know, but there's a big wrestling culture here too. Yeah. So um, uh, there's a couple bands like that. And a buddy of mine, Jay, we were talking and we want to do a band where we can not get the show shut down for acting like assholes and keep it contained to the stage, but still be assholes. Yeah. So we thought we're both wrestling fans. So we're like, let's do completely wrestling and keep it contained to the stage. So that's where band Eat the Turnbuckle came in. Mm-hmm. And and I started two of the guys in that band Eat the Turnbuckle are, are retired uh, independent wrestlers. Yeah. So then they, they trained us a little bit. and We would do wrestling spots and wrestle during the fucking show. There was like six guys in the band and do death match spots. And that shit got me all over the world, man. I've been, I mean, except for Australia. <laughs>
0: God damn it. <laughs> uh,
1: that's, that's the elusive country that I have not gotten to. Oh, tattooing. Wrestling, but I'll fucking get there.
0: I know some people. I know some people. We'll will talk later.
1: <laughs> but um, so I it got me all over the world, and like you said, um, I like wrestlers were coming out and watching the shows at the end of the lifespan of the, the turnbuckle that went over ten years, man. Yeah, wow. and um, we were it was like eat the turnbuckle versus the necro butcher, eat the turnbuckle versus balls mahoney, and we would yes. wrestle those guys while we're playing. That's so sick. Yeah, and and it got fucking fairly big, and. Because of that, like DJ Hyde that owned CZW and a lot of guys already knew who I was and they saw I was willing to fucking hurt myself and do dumb deathmatch shit. Yeah. So I was like, fucking, you know, uh, a wet dream for the deathmatch guy. So, like, Schlack's already ready to be an asshole. Yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> he's already ready to be an asshole. And from what I saw when you first came in, like, at that point, you're already lifting weights and stuff, right? Like, you, you were a big dude in Eat the Turnbuckle. So, like, he's ready to go.
1: Um, yeah, dude, my first match was a ladder, it had ladders, tables, and chairs in it. Like, that's unheard of. Your first wrestling match ever,
0: you know, just a quick TLC match for your debut. Uh,
1: so they threw me right to the wolves immediately, right out the fucking gate, you know what I mean? And you know, now here we are.
0: (laughs) So, had you just met those guys like, like CCW? Uh, and everything like that through them just coming to your shows and, and then booking stuff like that. Like, like you said, like balls, like Necro people, like wrestling angles while playing and stuff. So you already knew them and they were like, approached you. Like, do you want to do a match or what were they thinking?
1: Well, yeah. I mean, that's everyone's like, when are you going to go get trained for real and put the icing on the, on the cake? You know what I mean? I'm like, all right, I buckled down. I was like, let me hit the gym real hard. Mm -hmm. Uh, went and got trained at CZW by Drew Gulak and a guy yeah. named Preacher. Yep. And, um, you know, and like I said, they threw me right to the wolves. <laughs>
0: yeah, Jesus Christ. I mean, talk about Gulak, man. There's a trainer right there. I'm unfamiliar with Preacher, but that's a dude that you can see where the Schlack Sabre Jr. kind of uh, part comes into it if, you, if you're learning hold for hold with uh, Drew Gulak.
1: Well, I know um, dude, I know this whole arsenal of, like, fucking submission holes and stuff from Drew, but it kind of goes against my character, my gimmick. Yeah, yeah. So, but I was told by Drew uh, and Preacher, they were like, you don't even barely lock up with anybody. As soon as you lock up, punch him in the face, because that's what you would do. Yeah. You wouldn't do I have this whole arsenal of moves that I never use. And I, I slowly am introducing it into my shit, you know, with the human meat grinder gimmick thing. So I'm like using, but you know, it's funny. They wanted me to be like a crow mag from day one. You know what I mean? Yeah. Be the educated crow mag. Yeah, yeah. You're (laughs) like you're like I've fucking I've learned
0: all this shit. Let me use it real quick. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. I I have have noticed like you incorporating like some pretty brutal holds and stuff. And when when you're like on people and stuff, being like your size and stuff, it looks pretty brutal when you like envelop somebody like that. You know what I mean? When they're all twisted up. So I can see you like working that in and finding ways to use it quite evilly.
1: Yeah. As long as it make it rough and, you know, I, I try and make it look, you know, spot on and wrestling's fucking real to me, man. It's yeah. as real as I want. You know, uh-huh. you ask anybody, you know, I'm, I'm safe as can be in the ring, but you know, when you put me in the ring, it's, you're going to fucking feel it when you walk out of that ring, when the, when the show's over dude. you know, uh, you can ask anybody. It's, I take that shit super fucking serious, you know, super serious. And I don't like to pull punch, and I ain't no leg slapper, none of that bullshit.
0: No super kicks from slack?
1: Right, right. I'm a fucking face slapper, man. (laughs) Uh, But I want shit too, man. I want you to hit me. Lay it the fuck in there, man. It's only going to make me react better, and we're going to have a better match. You know, I'm not saying knock me the fuck out, but.
0: (laughs) That that would be shit. (laughs) That's not a good match if that happens. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. So, when you debut in CZW, are you straight into Storm of Entrails straight away? Like they they team you up, or or are you solo at well, first? Uh, my Dan!
1: Uh, all right, here we go. We'll, go. we'll backtrack a little bit to Eve Turnbuckle. Mm-hmm. Dan, my partner in Storm Entrails, he's Dan O'Hare. He plays in he he was in a band called Total Fucking Destruction and Brutal Truth. Um, both relatively big bands in, like, underground metal scene. Mm-hmm. And he's also an audio engineer. Yeah. Well, Dan was recording an Eat the Turnbuckle album. He also recorded another album of a band that was in called Bottomless Pit. But anyway, um, he was recording Alvors. And he's like, dude, I just started training. Because, you know, Turnbuckle Turnbuckle's about wrestling. He's like, I just started training. And I got so jealous that he's like, I just started training. I was like, all right, I said, I'm going. I'm getting trained. And then I went with Dan to CZW <laughs> to start, you know, train i called up immediately the next day so dan is actually the catalyst that pushed the first domino over to get me to wrestle so dan is the engineer recording eat the terminal stuff mm-hmm. so i know dan through playing music for a long time with my bands and he was also recording e the terminal stuff so then when we're in czw and we're both training true gulak is he's the trainer he's like i'm going to make you guys a tag team uh and we're going to call it Storm of Entrails because it's like a faux death metal band. Yeah, and you guys both know each other, and you both play death metal, so there's your thing, you know. And that's how that came to be.
0: It seems to make sense. He he, he hit it right right on the head, right. And are you just got guy, You guys just coming out? I imagine like I didn't have CCW, but I imagine you guys were just coming out and mincing people immediately, right?
1: Yeah, it's kind of like uh like the Hay Club. Like they were trying to build this as the new Hay Club. Right, right. Like nature and. Nick, just come out and wreck people and then go in the back. (laughs) That's the job right there, boy.
0: Yeah, that's what's up. In and out, that's what's up. (laughs) You still get paid the same.
1: No thinking, just
0: destroying. Yeah, yeah, exactly. What <laughs> what you do best? Um, did you yeah. did you like your time in CCw Because it got shaky towards the end, right? From my understanding, again, I'm talking as like a fucking Australian that wasn't watching any of the shit live, but right. from like my research or, or what I know and have heard and stuff like that, it was like really killing it for a while, and then sort of everything like the wheels starting to fall off a bit. I
1: mean, I, there's a special place in my heart for CZW, not just because I learned how to wrestle there but I've been going to like tournament of deaths and cage of deaths I've been to every tournament of deaths since the second one Yeah. Um, and most of the cage of deaths you know and you know one off shows as well but um, you know so i I loved that stuff forever man you know that's another reason why I knew some of the wrestlers from going to the shows and stuff like that too mm-hmm. but um, that's how I would make the bridges and the segues yeah. with each turnbuckle um. So uh, You know I, There's a special place in my heart there and uh, At the end of it DJ wasn't really booking it He put it in the hands of other people I'm not going to name names But then the, those specific people Would only book their friends And they started turning it into uh, You know like a, a Gymnastics type company Rather than a, a bruiser Wife beater, lobo You know that type of label like kind of turning its
0: back on the stuff that made it essentially
1: right right they started weaning off of the deathmatch stuff i mean don't get me wrong ccw always had a awesome like best for the best of the best and like ruckus and blackout and trent acid and you know all tons of other guys they always had great stuff in that category as well Mm -hmm. but for the most part CZW is known for the fucking rough and tumble tournament to of death, torn you know cage yeah. to death, mm-hmm. wife beater, Zandig, Nick Cage, blah blah blah. Yeah. But they started weaning off of that, and me and Dan, you know, we're like, that's our bread and butter. So we started, you know, getting you know not more or less left behind, but not used as much or not used properly more or less. And then, Brett. And Danny Damato started uh, GCW, and Jimmy Lloyd was training at the same time that me and Dan were. So I knew Jimmy since he's a little kid, <laughs> and um, he uh, he was friends with Brett, and he, he since day one of GCW. Yeah. and he's like, "Yo, you need to see this slack guy. You need to get this guy." So he brought Brett to watch me wrestle. And then Brett's like, yo, I want you to come, blah, blah, blah. And then from the second show, I think it was, the set, I was on the second or third GCW show mm-hmm. to present day. You know, I, I'm one of the, I hate to say, you know, it's so corny, but I'm one of like the original dudes from GCW. Uh, me, Jimmy, Nikki, mm-hmm. I guess Janella was there since the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, not many people left.
0: <laughs> no no exactly i was actually um telling somebody recently they were like well how did you get into like usa death matches and it was through gcw you know like i had i i had started getting into the japanese stuff um and then from there kind of the logical thing is like what else is there and and i'd heard on a podcast i don't remember which or whatever but they had talked about the two Cup stuff show you know uh headlined by nick Nick Gage versus Effie um, okay. in Vegas and stuff like that. And then when I saw that, I was like, oh, I didn't even know this could exist like that. That mesh of like American style, you know, sort of entertaining stuff and the scrambles and everything like that. And then the death right. matches and everything all together, which then, you know, led me to IWTV and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, GCW was like a huge game changer for me, pun intended. Um, (laughs) like, uh, because yeah, I, I just not even been exposed to it. Like it must've felt like a breath of fresh air for you then to just like have this cool company, um, with a a couple of dudes that were like killing it and doing the kind of stuff that you liked and and, like putting you in those positions. Yeah. Um, it's funny. Um, I talked to Brett, blah, 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 after
1: they had NGI one. Uh, Nick Age Invitational 1. That's kind of what kicked off the company from JCW. They bought JCW and turned it into GCW. Mm -hmm. So the official first GCW show was the Nick Age Invitational 1. It was a deathmatch tournament. And the card was so awesome. And they weren't really doing crazy tournaments and shit like that. I mean, they were. They did tournament death and that. But the rest of the year, there wasn't that much death shit going in CCW. And that's why I started wrestling. I didn't start wrestling or Matt Classics, or, you know, strong StrongSaw. I started wrestling because I love fucking deathmatch shit. Yeah. That's all I wanted to do from day one. Yeah. Uh, so uh they had that show. They put that show on, and I, I saw it, and I, I was like, dude, I'm going to this, me and my buddy Jay. We went, and I, got, I sat in the front row. I think
0: I I'm, saw I'm, that photo the other day, right? Yeah, Have I'm, you already
1: just yeah. I'm already wrestling on, on CCW. <laughs> and I got... I got Hold it real bad from DJ. What are you doing sitting in the front row? You can't be doing that. You know, I'm like, dude, the fucking card was awesome. I just wanted to be a fan and watch the shit. So if you look back at the tape, you can see footage of me in the front row. Like, (laughs) and then the, uh, the, the ring crew was like real shit at that show, yeah. so they told me they're like, "Get Slack. He's in the front row. We'll help with the fucking shit." So I'm in a ring mop
0: sweeping and shit, <laughs> just working I, for him. And that like Stuart still was ZW basically just fucking uh-huh. helping right. GCW run. Okay, <laughs>
1: so I caught a rash of fucking shit for that, you know. <laughs> and like the next show after that, or the or one more show after that, then I started in GCW.
0: Yeah, you're like, <laughs> fuck this. I'm just gonna go where yeah, it's yeah. at so yeah.
1: they were doing i wanted to do yeah you know, they were doing all throwback crazy shit yeah and then uh i met marcus um there's a funny story with marcus marcus have you ever seen all those howl shows did you go back and look at that library of house stuff
0: Hal stuff no no uh-huh or like the early know.
1: gcw stuff Did you need to oh, see that yeah, I,
0: i've seen like uh like early, early tournament stuff And things like that. So, like, I've been through, like, the NGIs and the TOS and stuff like that early. But but not, like, uh, uh, house shows or anything like that.
1: Yeah, dude, you need to go back and look at the first, like, two years of that. Dude, it was total outlaw crazy shit. That's awesome. There was zero rules. The only rule was, yo, get over and get crazier than the match before you. Wow. So, everyone's going out there being completely fucking insane. And uh, I met Marcus through. Uh, we were, I was on tour in Germany and uh, Switzerland and Austria and I don't know. I was doing a run with uh, the goddamn Gallows. I don't know if you ever heard of that band.
0: No, but that's a great name.
1: They're like a folk punk type thing. I don't know. Well, they're they're playing on tour with us. And they're from Chicago, where Marcus is from. And World Tour, we're just having a conversation. And they're like, You know, you wrestle, right? Slack. I'm like, Yeah, it's CZW, blah, blah. They're like, Our friend Marcus Crane, uh, you know, we're good friends with him. He wrestles. He lives in Chicago with us. And I just got done before going on tour. I was at Tournament Survival, where Marcus debuted in at, at, at GCW in that. And uh, I was like, Yeah, I saw that guy. That guy's awesome. He's like super flamboyant and all crazy. And they're like, Yeah, that's our boy. So then they told Marcus, and then Marcus called up Brett and was like, yo, I want to wrestle Slack. And that's how I got my first show in GCW. So that went through touring with a band in Germany playing Vakken, the, the festival, talking to those guys. And they called Marcus. So Marcus called Brett. And that's it's such a <laughs> crazy, fucking weird like route to wrestling that I've taken. You know what I mean? It's just who you know, I guess, like anything else.
0: It, it it seems to be who you know is everything, you know what I mean? I'm not a wrestler. Um, I'm just a guy who has a fucking podcast and I speak into my cupboard, you know, on a semi-weekly basis. Uh, and, like, uh, I didn't intend to end up, you know, speaking to guys like yourself and even doing interviews. But it just sort of spiraled, you know. It started with um, Deathmatch Down Under over here. Joel Bateman and the crew over there were starting it and I got very excited about it. He was the first wrestler I ever interviewed, and then it just sort of spiraled out of that, you know. And then I um, met Neil Diamond Cutter. I guess he had, you know, he knew I was friends with Joel, and, and kind of reached out to me. And then it's Casanova, and then just like on it goes until now. You know what I mean? Just right. because everybody's so fucking cool. Like <laughs> it was like I uh, like uh, and. You know, 95% of the wrestlers I've spoken to have all been deathmatch wrestlers just because everybody's so cool and they like all the same kind of shit that I do. So it just kind of flows on from there.
1: Yeah, like, you got to get the rub from someone. They're like, yo, you know, this guy, Ray, he's, he's cool, dude, trust me, do his podcast. Like, all right, since you are telling me that, I'll, I'll hit the guy. <laughs> that, that's really what it is, you know what I mean? Because, yeah. you know, you're getting shit thrown at you constantly from every angle. Yeah, yeah, no so, doubt. But when you get the rub, who do you know, you know, and i would had a couple of
0: people say, because I I, I don't know if you, you ever heard this, but I I had kind of uh, put it out there. So you're like my wife's favorite wrestler, right? Anything Slack, she's just like about it, yeah.
1: Sorry to hear
0: that. <laughs> no, no, I mean, we, we both love everything you do, but she's just like, Slack is the best. We watched a tournament recently, and you were out of the first round, and she just fucking walked out. She just wasn't having it. Uh, but, but her birthday was coming up, and I was like, I want to try and interview Slack before her birthday, like as a surprise, so I can think, and I had mentioned that on air. I think it was, maybe I was speaking to Jeremy from I Got You Five Stars, I don't remember. I kind of was saying it a few times, and then I had several people be like, I hit up Slack for you, and I was like, okay, thanks, but now he's going to fucking hate me because like he's had like a whole bunch of people just harass him. <laughs> like...
1: Jeremy did hit me up and say something. Oh, did he really?
0: He's a, a... Yeah,
1: him and, and Neil, I remember both of those guys said something.
0: Yeah, uh, Neil... <laughs> There, I have no bigger supporter in this world than Neil Diamond Cutter. He's an amazing he's little, dude. Yeah, yeah. He's uh, he's yeah, awesome. He's but I was like, fuck it. The last thing Schlack needs is like fucking, you know, 10 people bothering him. He's going to be like, you know who I'm not going to speak to? This fucking guy. Because he's, <laughs> he's sent the fucking bees to swarm on the on me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Actually, nah, man. That's how you're going to get my attention, you know. Yeah. I, I get, like, I'll miss... um. Messages from people, you know, if, if you look at my Facebook or my Instagram, you know, I I get so many messages from so many different angles. Yeah. People that I play in the band with, right, in bands with. People that are booking shows for the bands. Um, wrestlers hitting me up. Uh, promoters doing, you know, booking wrestling shows. Tattoo shop shit. Customers getting tattoos. Just my random friends. Yeah. You know, so I get so many messages. Sometimes I... Overlook them or I miss them. So you kind of got to bust my balls and, you know, and I'll I'll get to it eventually, you know. I'm not being an asshole. I just Sometimes I just...
0: I wouldn't even think that. And, like, if you don't, like, on social media, depending on what the platforms, like... If say you don't follow me or whatever, it doesn't necessarily go to the top of your list. It might go into another folder and shit like that. It's really hard. Like I never, when I do this, I never want to fucking bother anybody. You know what I mean? I'm like, hello, sir. If you'd like to maybe do something, and then I hope to hear back. Or I'll just never say anything again because I don't want to fucking piss anybody off. You know? Right, right, right. <laughs> no, I mean, being cordial is a good
1: thing too. I don't know. I guess everyone's different, you know. But I, I need to be
0: harassed <laughs> you're going to regret saying that now everybody's just going to be fucking blowing up your shit yeah, I know. <laughs> even more either way i greatly appreciate your time so it's, it was fucking awesome when you reach out to me and i'm super appreciative for it yo let me stop you right there i just need to holler at everybody and tell them about nordvpn this service has been a bit of a game changer for me man not only are they one of the first services you know to believe in me and to believe in this podcast, which is pretty amazing. But it's also been great to like pick up my internet access and throw it around the world. I've been able to access all the streaming services. I've been able to check out different shopping sites. It's keeping me safe and sound on the internet and protecting all of my important data. It's been pretty damn awesome. So if you want to give it a chance for yourself, if you want to try it out, if you want to get amongst the glory that is NordVPN, just go to nordvpn.com feels and use the code feels to get up to 70% off your NordVPN plan and at one additional month for free. Uh, it's also risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, which is pretty sweet. So yeah, nordvpn.com feels and use the code feels. Now let's get back to the interview. So, uh, so obviously GCW starts popping off and stuff like that. D- had you already started doing tournaments? Like had you done tournaments with CZW or or was it not until you got to GCW? Because I, I know you were saying they were kind of like uh, frustrating you by not doing like a lot of that stuff. I, I think
1: right when GCW started was the was tournament of death, right around there. I don't remember what year that was. What was that, like? Five years ago, six years ago, something like that. I think so. Um, the like the very first was right around there, and I remember Zandig saying something to me. Or no, that was that was like the second tournament of survival. Zandig wanted me to wrestle him in the second tournament of survival. I think it was Mm -hmm. the one with Tremont, where they hung me on those hooks.
0: Oh yeah, (laughs) fuck it. Hell, I seen that.
1: I was supposed to be uh, I was supposed to wrestle him or he wanted me in the tournament or whatever Um, but uh, I already promised DJ DJ's like dude if I put you in tournament death you can't do any other tournament. so I'm like come on man so Zandig's like all right, listen I I appreciate the fact that you're fucking being loyal and someone told you to go so but he never said you can't show up in the thing so I'll I'll do it whatever and then a day before, he's like, all right, we're going to hang you on hooks. I'm like, whoa, I said I would show up to the
0: fucking... <laughs> do a run-in or something. so extreme. Like, yeah, it's was, so we'll like... Oh, Shlack's in the crowd wearing a suit like a fucking NXT event. <laughs> it's like we're going to suspend him from meat hooks.
1: Right, right. I'm like... But but it's Zandik. You can't tell him no. You don't want to be a pussy. You know what I mean?
0: I can tell Hello. you I would tell him no. If he was like... <laughs> if he was like, hey, Rave, uh, like... I know you're not really a wrestler, but check it out. I'm doing this show. It's going to get over huge, made hooks. And I'd be like, I'm sorry, Zandig. I respect you, but you can fuck off because I'm not going to do that.
1: <laughs> you know, uh, so uh, luckily uh there's a wrestler, Wax. You ever hear of Wax? No, like a, sorry. He was a CZW photographer, and then he became a wrestler. Okay. Well, Wax, um, he, he's a piercer, like a lifetime... Pi- piercer tattoo shop and I've known him since I was like 18 years old through the tattoo industry because I've been yeah. tattooing since I was young like uh-huh. since I was 16 years old
0: uh-huh.
1: and I knew him through the tattoo industry from piercing so I would see him at conventions and stuff and uh, he was the guy that he's, was like he's like listen I can get slack to do the mean hooks because I've known him since he was a fucking kid so then I'm like Fine, fine, fine. You know, I don't want to tell Zandig no. You know, Uh, because I've seen that shit at tattoo conventions my whole life. The suspension and stuff. Mm -hmm. I had zero desire to do that at all. Zero. I'm like, why is anyone doing that? But because it's in the context of a wrestling thing. Yeah. All right, all right. Hang me on the fucking hooks.
0: (laughs) Fucking hell. And and how was that? Because I kind of imagine it would be shit house, Uh, but.
1: it does not feel good, let me tell you that much. It, it, you know, your adrenaline's kicking in in the very beginning. Yeah. I'll tell you what, putting the hooks in your back hurts like a motherfucker. So
0: do they pre-pierce, they, I guess he, what, pre-pierce hook kind of scenario? Is that how it goes?
1: They're like shark hooks. Yeah. To like, and he just, they just swab it with rubbing alcohol and right through your back. Oh,
0: what, they hook just, just straight up, no, no like pilot hole Ah, uh, through some kind now, of piercing device, they ju- they just hook you. Yeah, oh. I, mean, it, I mean, I mean, he gets like tongs
1: or whatever the fuck they are, and pulls the skin together, and then it's just—I sh- mean, they're sharp hooks, dude. They're for going through shark mouths. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly right? for like great whites and. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. So then they put the hooks in, and then your adrenaline's kicking in because you just got a huge holes put in you. Yeah. You know, then they put you on the thing, and then it's not pain; it's. A, m- a lot of pressure, all your weight, yeah, hanging, down, pulling down all that. Wow, and that's what really feels weird. And but, dude, I was I was up there the entire match between him and Tremont. <laughs> I was up there for thirty minutes. Thirty like, minutes. Like that, that's fine. That's fine and all for like five minutes, like they do at a tattoo convention and shit. But not for thirty minutes. You know, I started getting. I'm like, get me the fuck down from here. And luckily. There was a dude standing under me that snuck beers in, and he handed me a beer. So, have you ever seen a picture? I'm like hanging there on a hook and I'm drinking
0: (laughs) beer. (laughs) That made for the whole fucking picture. You know what I mean? It's so insane. Like it's so. Like there'd be professional like suspension artists and stuff that would be like, oh yeah, we'll come in for a five to ten minute session or whatever. They're not just like, I'll fucking hang from my back for, like, 30 minutes while this, like, Matt Classic <laughs>
1: Yeah, you know,
0: uh, oh, Jesus for
1: the power God. and the glory, my brother. Yeah, exactly.
0: The- well, nobody can question your dedication to the art because that's pretty amazing. <laughs> but the, there's something to be said, like, especially in deathmatch and stuff. There's a lot of that, like, well, I got to do it now. Like, it, it seems like a lot of people just go, oh, I wouldn't normally do this, but it's wrestling, so fuck it.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, unfortunately, yeah. You know, I, I never thought I would be rolling around on razor blades, but you know, here we are now. Uh, I roll on razor blades from time to time,
0: R- regularly. So, what does what does DJ say when he fucking tunes in and there's just slack hanging fucking above this match for thirty minutes, and then you you come in, he's like I told you not to be there, and you're like, I didn't wrestle; I was just a spectator, <laughs> like in right. the sky. Well, I, you
1: know, I kept my word, so he really couldn't say anything. So I found the loophole, yeah. and the loophole just happens to be made from
0: shark hooks in my back. I was about to say several loopholes, all yeah. of which were <laughs> directly <laughs> through your back. <laughs> oh man, that's so fucked up. Um, so anyway, the, the, so you get through the loophole and stuff. What what was the first tournament that you ended up doing, like as a singles competitor?
1: Was that tournament of death that I
0: promised I would do for oh, DJ? Oh yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. So you you did that. You did it. You kept your word. Loophole. Versus- yeah, yeah. And then you went. What's up? Uh, so so yeah, you find the loophole. <laughs> you you appear at tournament of survival, but you don't wrestle in it, and then you're at that next tournament of death. Yes, correct. And it was me versus Masada. Oh Jesus! So your first yeah. tournament match is against Masada. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so just straight in the deep end, much like the TLC match and the Shark oh, hawks.
1: Yeah, yeah, like I said, right to the fucking walls. Right to the walls. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um
1: Yeah, that was... Uh, I think that was, like, the, the, uh, the defining match, actually, that, like, got me over, for lack of a better yeah. term. You uh-huh. know, where people started noticing I exist. You know, was was that? I think. Yeah. Because I like lit myself on fire. I did a flaming elbow thing. And, yeah, yeah. So you know, it was pretty crazy. Uh, and I think that's the first match that really kicked it in high gear. And then
0: the next match after that
1: really was when I wrestled Marcus for the first time in GCW. That first match was like slightly after the tournament of death, um, and not to toot my own horn, I don't ever do that, you know, but uh a lot of people say that the first match between me and Marcus was the match that set the standard for GCW death matches. Like wow. we brought the Japanese style over to like more or less like the way Takeda and fucking Kasai wrestle. Yep. We were the first match to do that in GCW, that match between me and Marcus, because we used razor boards and shit like that. And yep. they, no one in GCW was doing that. So we kind of like kicked over the first domino of insanity.
0: <laughs> so everybody can blame you for <laughs> where we've yeah, got
1: to. Much. Then after that, it started like every match started getting crazier, crazy shopping carts and full of light tubes. And then they brought the Mexicans in, they b- brought in Miedo and Ciope. Yeah. And those guys are completely out of their fucking minds. And and the Japanese guys started coming over. And it's just all those house shows, man, you need to go back. And if you really want to, that was something special. You could tell when, just in the locker room and every month, every few weeks when they would have one of those shows, you could tell that, uh, you know, like when I go back and I watch uh, Tournament of Death 1 and Tournament of Death 2 when they're, you know, hit white, when Mondo hits mon- Uh, White beater with the weed whacker, and they jump off the roof. You could see and you could just feel how like monumental those those shows are. Yeah, Um, in the early CCW and and like CC or or, uh, ECW when it was like Sabu versus Taz. Like you go back and you look at those sets of matches, like those those define the company. Those define the company, and we could tell that. We were doing something real special in that locker room in those, like, a couple years at those house shows, you know. I mean, it's a, it's a totally different era now with ECW. Now it's, like, uh, there's a full circus. But back then it was, like, seven, six death matches and two regular matches on a show, you know. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. And it, it, I imagine it was kind of like the that sort of us-against-the-world mentality where you were, like, we're out to prove something, you know, and everybody was on that same page, like you said. Crazier, outdo the match before you go, 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 kind of fight.
1: Correct, correct. And I think that's, you know, we hit a a, a cap, you know what I mean? Like, how much more can you do? Janela and fucking Zane, they just went off the roof again. Yeah. You know, how many razor boards in a match can you use? You know, how crazy can you get? Uh, so I guess in order to keep the longevity of the company, you know, they had to. Back off slightly, and now you have the current product of GCW now, which I like too, because I like all kinds of wrestling. I'm, yeah. you know, as much as I love deathmatch wrestling, and that's the, the style I choose to represent myself, just as much as I love death metal and, and extreme music like grindcore, mm-hmm. that's the music I choose to represent myself. I also like easy listening, motherfucker. And I, you know, I like technical mat wrestling too.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely.
1: Also, <laughs>
0: They are, they're doing like a real good variety show type thing at at the moment, but they haven't really turned their back on what brought them to the dance. Like the death matches are always still like the main event, you know, like the show ramps up like, and to that point every single time. And I I I think they've got like a pretty good balance at the moment.
1: Yeah, I think so too. I mean, that's, the formula that will keep the company going on for a long time. It, it would have hit a wall if you kept doing seven, six death matches a show and two regular matches. You would have hit a wall. You know, it gets stale after a while. Yeah. And uh, because, you know, you have two death matches on a regular show now and a comedy match and a couple strong style matches, a scramble, a lucha match. Well, the strong style match makes the comedy match, look that much funnier and the lucha match makes the strong style match seem that much hit harder and yeah you know vice versa the death match looks that much crazier because it's the only thing with the blood and you know and that's how it should be done it's all
0: about uh dichotomy absolutely that's a fucking dichotomy that's a big word that I can cannot spell um my my friend Joel Bateman from deathmatch down under uh like talked about their shows and he was like flavors of ice cream. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like you get your vanilla to start and then there's a bit of strawberry and then we get the chocolate and then, you know, and going on from there. And I, I think that's like the way to see it done. Nobody wants to watch seven comedy
1: matches in a row or, no. or seven, eight death. Ma- I mean, there's some people, I guess, but oh, yeah. the majority of people like, like a variety is the spice of life. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't want to see, seven death metal bands in a row. I want to, or five death metal bands in a row. I want to
0: see a punk band,
1: a thrash metal band, a death metal band and a hardcore band and then a grindcore band. You know, it makes you appreciate every style.
0: Yeah. And and like, like you said, I I think you said it best when you're like the comedy, uh, like match makes the hard hitting match seem harder, and then the lucha match makes the death match seem more brutal, and blah blah blah. Like you know, it right. makes it matches uh, where you can be desensitized if it's always just the same. Correct, correct. Yeah, exactly. Which is how uh, in in like the kind of death match tournaments I tend to like the most are usually the ones with like the different stipulations where each match is sort of separated you know what I mean so they're all different whereas if they're all just like the same stipulation or just all light tubes then by the end you're like I have seen all the things with the light tubes whereas if you yeah. know you got boards over here and then this is doing something or whatever it, it kind of keeps you guessing and changes it up it, it gets monotonous after a while and and you know
1: everyone else by the time you get to the final match if everyone's been doing light tube spots by the time you get to the final match you have no spots left, so there's nothing to wow the crowd over with because they already saw everything. Yeah. You know, but if you only have thumbtacks in this one match, they're going to do something that the last match isn't going to do that only has light tubes or whatever. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. Keep it mixed up. But yeah, I was going to ask you um, so the first time I ever saw you <clears throat> wrestle or at least the the one that stands out to me was i believe it was the tournament survival and alex is there and they're like what's gonna happen and then schlack stands up at the merch table and drinks two goddamn beers at the same goddamn time and enters the match like on the fly <laughs> is that is that how it went down like they were like who who's going and you just like jumped in
1: yeah oh that's exactly what happened um i mean i i went just to go and be a fan, you know what yeah, I mean? Uh-huh. I get to do that very often. If I go to a show, it's usually because I'm working or doing some sort of running or some shit, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I don't ever get to sit and relax. So I came, I brought merch, set up because, you know, you got a bunch of people there, and why yeah. to make a buck too? Yeah. So I've been sitting at the merch stand, you know, I'm like fucking 10, 12 beers deep. I've been getting gassed up, hanging out with people and screaming and hollering like a fan, like an asshole at the ring and stuff like that. <laughs> Well, all of a sudden, I started hearing, you know, everyone's, like, the whole all crowd is, I mean, there was, like, fucking 1,300 people there, maybe? Yeah, yeah. The whole crowd is kind of quiet. And then all of a sudden, you start, people are, like, looking at me because I'm sitting at the rest, you know, at the, the merch table. Yeah, yeah. And the like, slash slack, slack, slack. And then the whole place starts chanting slack, and I'm, like, god damn it. So I just stand up on the table, then the whole place blows up and I start chugging the beers and I take off my shirt and I just run into the fucking ring because, you know, time to work, I
0: guess. <laughs> exactly. It's what the people wanted. It was the right choice. Yeah. And I remember like watching it just like, okay, who the fuck's this now? Like, <laughs> it was, it was how, how it was.
1: I mean, you know... Uh, at first, it was like they were like, "You fucking idiot! What are you doing?" But then, in hindsight, they're like, "Yeah, that was the right move to do, like Just get the fuck in there, and you know, I don't know." Uh, but dude, I was tanked, dude. I, I was like, I mean, I wasn't tanked, but I, I was feeling nice. I was feeling
0: nice. <laughs> and oh. what
1: we fucked up is, I have you know, I only have like one or two pairs of pants. And I get in there and bleed all over them. I only came there with one pair of pants. So now I got blood all over the pants I'm wearing normally. Uh, you could tell I had a couple beers because I'm wrestling. And I remember I got thrown out of the ring. And I pull out my wallet out of my pocket and my car keys. And I just hand them to a regular fan <laughs> sitting in the crowd. Just not even thinking. I just hand them around. And luckily, lowlife Louie is sitting there. And he walks up to me and he's like, give me that fucking thing. And he grabs puts it in his pocket.
0: Just some absolute stranger. Here's the access to my life. I'll see you later.
1: (laughs) Just total, you know, you get in the fucking zone and keys, and my car doesn't matter, and my bills don't matter. The only thing that matters is eliminating this fucking guy standing in front of me with wrestling moves.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, it it was killer, man. It was a, a great moment, and I think probably one that like stands out forever. So, like, you can't really go wrong with that. It's proven in history to be the right call um how was it how was it going in Japan dude so Japan's somewhere that's like um really close to my heart me and the wife have been like geez five years in a row before the pandemic kind of ruined everything you know like I said big Japan freedoms new Japan all that kind of stuff did you like love that trip like I don't think I've ever met anybody that hasn't liked Japan
1: yeah the few I've been there a couple times
0: uh the the I mean, every time I go,
1: it's absolutely amazing. They treat you like a fucking sultan, you know. What I mean, they they really respect Deathmatch wrestling. Like, I feel like there, the Deathmatch guys are like elevated. Mm-hmm. You know, they're they're you know um, over regular wrestlers. To me, that's how I feel. Mm-hmm. But uh, they take it really fucking seriously there, and every night people are like taking you out for steak dinners and lobster dinners and shit. It's it's crazy. The wrestling's amazing. You know, everyone there is top-notch. Just, you know, Tokyo, Japan, uh, just the city it itself is 10 years above anything we got over here. I mean, the toilets have sounds, so no one hears you shit. You know, it makes like a wave sound. Yeah, That's just crazy. some
0: nice running water.
1: Yeah, yeah right right uh, here we don't have that you you have to hear the person shit
0: <laughs> that's how you know we've we've reached the the peak of human uh evolution the man right. that was like you know what would be awesome
1: <laughs> yeah it's crazy but uh yeah i love it man japan's awesome uh luckily uh i'm very humbled that the japanese people like me a whole lot over there yeah and uh every time i go man i
0: sell everything i got
1: i can't possibly bring any more shit with me. Uh, I get a really good response from the crowds. You know, I guess because I'm I don't know, the Japanese people I guess tend to uh, lock on to those obscure freak show wrestlers and <laughs> fighters. You know what I'm saying? Like
0: yeah, plus you got that Bruiser Brody kind of vibe and stuff like that. You know, it's like I mean, traditionally when you look at the guys that they like, especially like the big Gaijin wrestlers and stuff like that. They've always been huge. You know yeah. Vader, Stan Hansen, Bruiser Brody. You know all these guys were huge for a reason. So you bring in somebody like yourself, and they're like, "Okay, let's go." Ah,
1: uh, and I got a, lot, you know, I'm covered in tattoos. You don't see that very often there.
0: No, they, they always were very interested, like in my tattoos, and I obviously don't have as many as you. You know, hand and sleeve, and you know, and up here or whatever. And they were like, I've been at bars and stuff like that and had them, like, kind of ask questions about that, not in a, like, I, I don't think anybody thinks a pale white guy with a red beard is in the Yakuza or anything like that, but they're definitely, right. like, very interested in it because it's something that's kind of a bit alien to their regular culture.
1: Yeah, um, I, I think the, the, the bridge is just starting to open with regular, normal civilians getting tattooed and getting heavy coverage you know what I mean I think that's just starting to happen because you know the Yakuza it was had a bad stigma to it I guess yeah um you know so I I don't know I guess because I'm covered in tattoos and you know I I go to the gym and I you know I I look I mean literally I'll be walking down the street and because every time I'm there it's hot I've never been there when it's like cold
0: that's the only time we go we always go winter so we go like January or whatever, and it's like cold as, and you walk around and you drink a strong or a beer on the street and just walk forever, and it's the best.
1: Right. Um, so I've been walking around with like you know, barely anything on uh, as a top.
0: Yeah. And people cars will stop
1: in the middle of the street and look at me and they point at me and they like clap. I'm like, all oh, uh, well, weird. <laughs> <laughs> um. But I uh, you know I do appreciate. Um. I I, I didn't did notice when in Japan, like when someone is like a, there's there's a lot of businessmen like loaded drunk, just
0: loaded. sleeping
1: on the sidewalk.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> in like a in a suit.
0: I love asleep it. Just sleep
1: and they get up and start walking and go home. That's crazy to me.
0: You ever uh, follow that Instagram page Shibuya Meltdown? No, but please send it to me. Oh, I will I will send you the link because it's uh, a Instagram page based solely on that. Just people like passed out in the streets of Japan, like in medium strips, on shelves in trains, like under things, like in just the most random fucking places. Cause in Japan, like I think it's a, a thing, as best to my understanding, that like there's kind of a bit of dishonor going home early from work and stuff like that. So like salary men, like businessmen like you're talking about are like, they want their families and stuff, think they're out burning the midnight oil and stuff. So they just stay out in the city. You know what I mean? So they'll leave the office, they'll just hit the karaoke bars or whatever, and they'll do whatever. They just get wasted, and then they just, yeah, get up at some point in the morning and go and sort themselves out and go back to work again. Um, You ever
1: follow the page, look at that Russian?
0: No, now you're going to have to send that to me.
1: <laughs> page on Instagram Well, look at that Russian. It's nothing but pictures of shit-hammered Russians, like, driving in a pickup truck with, like, a a brown bear in the passenger (laughs) Crazy, absurd shit that you would only see in Russia. Um, But but the backtrack to Japan... (laughs)
0: We're we're off the rails now. (laughs) The backtrack to Japan,
1: I, um, I, I... Last time I was there, I'm in the subway, and there was a cop berating, like... He didn't arrest the person. The person was drunk and vomiting and acting surly and completely, you know, disorderly in public. And they didn't arrest them or baton them and beat the shit out him like they would do here in the United States. The cop was just screaming and hollering at him and saying that you dishonored the subway yeah, and stuff like that. And the guy's crying. The guy's like crying. Like you the dishonored shame. the subway you for shame, for shame. I'm like, wow, they really take the subway really <laughs> fucking seriously. <laughs> they, they fucking do, man.
0: They do. Like uh, a, a great story is that, like, um, because they they take the whole rail thing very seriously, and it's the best rail system in the entire world, in my opinion. But yeah. I remember r- reading this story. There's this one. Um, there's this one station. It's like right out. It's kind of like a regional station, and there's only one person that uses it. It's this girl who's, like, still going to college or whatever. Nobody else uses it. It's this one girl. She's the last person in that town that uses it. And they're going to close the railway, but not until she graduates, like, college. It's also, it still runs. And then, like, one day, I guess it was late or something like that. And then the whole rail thing, like, the, the boss of the rail and stuff had to, like, put out, like, a public apology of dishonor because he, like, let her down. They were like, we, we're so sorry. She was late for school and stuff, and it's on us, like, and we'll, it won't happen again. And it's like, literally, it's only open for her. Like, it's right. Of, right.
1: I mean, it, it's awesome to They're see amazing. That, uh, people can, uh, you know, take ethics that seriously. Absolutely. There's a huge... Devoid
0: of ethics in the United States. In in like a lot of Western culture. And that that's the greatest thing that I find about being there. Like I find, that I feel like I'm a better person when I'm there because everybody's so polite. Everybody's so considerate in everything they right. do. You know, it's the please, it's the thank yous and it's the bows and all of those things. And then I want to do that too. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I don't want to disrespect fucking anybody. And I take it right. so serious. Like I'm like, and I am a, Drunk fucking big dickhead like for some reason and I can only imagine how you feel because you're way bigger than me but like I always feel like I'm the biggest person in the fucking room I'm the loudest fucking person in the room I'm nearly all the time I'm drunk and I'm like man they must fucking hate me but never (laughs) is anybody not polite to me if anything I'm a bit of a spectacle and like you end up (laughs) feeling kind of special and I'm like I'm a terrible person
1: yeah, I, I, it's like a reflection period. Like, you go there and you're like, man, I'm a piece of
0: shit. <laughs> I'm a total piece of shit. But they love it, though, as well, because you're, like, right. kind of a novelty, you know? Because they're
1: like, I, I don't know, I can't imagine what they think. I can't imagine what they think.
0: <laughs> I, remember, I remember one time, another stupid story. We have a tendency to get kind of drunk and go to karaoke's, and then, like, when it's finished and you need to go catch the last train, that last song doesn't tend to be enough. So you tend to like, you know, you'll put a song on the phone and it's on loudspeaker and you're all like in a group and you're like singing loudly as you go through the the subway or wherever it was. And I remember this one time, like just like catching a look from like, you know, one of the security guys and it's kind of like a, speaking to somebody and then like another one appears. And I realized that we were slowly being surrounded by like security <laughs> people, right? But not to confront us, just to make sure we were kind of going where we were going, right? And then, like, we get on the train and they're, like, waving us goodbye and stuff like that. They're, like, they're not hurting anybody. Everybody's fine. We'll just make sure there's no, you know, dishonor. And then then everything's, like, sweet, you know? Like, yeah, it's so good. Yeah, here you would get a baton
1: to the back of the fucking head. and
0: (laughs) Put in a headlock and fucking drag to prison, yeah. Brutal, man. Same here, same here. Um But yeah, it's a it's a lovely place and I cannot wait until this world sorts itself out, uh so I, we can go back. Well, but I mean it's kind of already doing it. I was supposed to be there
1: for three months in November Bro. before COVID. So that fucked everything up there and hopefully uh i mean, they're still at like half capacity it shows, right?
0: Mm. They're getting better though, because they they had like their first days of zero cases recently. Um, and then I think they're down to like a two-day quarantine or something now. So hopefully, we'll start to see some stuff like that. Three months in Japan would be a dream come true for me.
1: Yeah, I, I hope. Yeah, as soon as it happens, I want to go over there. You know, so hopefully soon. You know, ain't getting any younger. (laughs) Well,
0: I know that feeling. Well, if you're looking for travel tips, hit up your boy. I got some for you. So so besides that and the world opening back up, man, what, what's next for Slack? I guess healing up the arm and moving on, but is there anything that you're targeting or any particular goals that you're trying to hit? Um, Any particular goals?
1: Well, I mean, I got a list of fucking dudes I guess I want to work mm-hmm. with. Um, I just got back from the UK. Uh,
0: oh, that, gonna, I was going to ask
1: you how I'm to go back here. Going back there in March, I think. Um, they got a good thing going over there with Rise. You need—I don't know if you've ever checked that stuff
0: out. I have, yeah. I'm—I'm uh, I'm friends with Big Joe. Uh, yeah, Joe, right. Yeah, he's—he's he's a lad. Yeah. When when we spoke on here, it's may what a, one of the most off the rail shows we've ever done because we just started sinking beers and it's like nine a.m. there and he's got a six pack of Bud Light. And uh we just started talking a lot of bullshit and yeah, he's the best man. Um I I would love to go and see a Rice show. I saw the clips and stuff from what you were doing there with him and it looked like an awesome time, dude.
1: The the crowd there, I mean they're not huge crowds, but they they are really, really into it. Yeah. And they really appreciate him. They're fucking extremely loud, they're extremely engaging with the wrestlers. Uh it's so every show I was there sold out, you know, it was awesome, and They got a lot of good quality wrestlers there too, man. Yeah. Hopefully a lot of them guys break out like Joe does. I think Joe's like the first, like besides like Clint Margera, but he's in like, he's like the class more, but the current class there now with like Joe, I hope those guys bust out soon because they're, they're fucking
0: Absolutely. Good, good dude.
1: Big drinkers, boy. Big drinkers.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, he knows how to do it. That is for yeah. damn sure. He um is going to be at ICW No Holds Barred pretty soon, which is pretty exciting.
1: Yes, yes. They've been trying to get him over to the States for a while, but uh, everything kept getting fucked up. But finally, chose the man. He'll do real good. Yeah. He's already well-received here already because he did that tournament of Death Year. Yeah, And he did some shit with the
0: Juggalos. He did.
1: Uh, I know he was like a bouncer or, like, insane clown posse or something.
0: Was he really? That didn't come up. I'm surprised we didn't touch yeah, on yeah. That. <laughs> that.
1: That's how he got on the show there. Yeah. it was an interesting guy.
0: Yeah, no, nah, he, he really is. He was telling me all about the camps and stuff like that. He, he's so funny, man. Uh, if yeah. anybody hasn't checked out Big Fucking Joe, check him out online because he's he's awesome. And, yeah, I, I don't know whether it's up yet because Rise isn't on IWTV, but I know they put stuff up on YouTube, so... I don't know how long it'll be before your match gets up there, but I would I would like to see that for sure. You know how uh, they were telling me uh,
1: I never even questioned it, but it came up when I was over there about you know how Joe wrestles in his underwear. Yeah, with, with no knee pads or anything. Uh-huh. And we're talking about it, and well, I didn't know the story, but um, apparently there was like a show like a couple years ago where Joe used to wear pants. Yeah, and there was a thing where they made him take his pants off and he had to wrestle. Well, he just kept doing it, so now no one has any idea why, unless you've been following it that long, which majority of people have not. No one has any idea why there's this big ass fucking <laughs> English dude wrestling in his underwear the entire time, and he's like, "Yeah, I just keep it because it's bizarre," and his knees are all fucked up now. You, he, he does like uh, tombstones on light tubes. On tubes, like, you know, he's... <laughs> he's a fucking he's insane that, person. Fucking psycho.
0: He's like, the way I described it um, when I spoke to him, I'm like, when I see you, it's like falling down. But like, instead of like fucking, you know, leaving his car and going to McDonald's or whatever and grabbing a shotgun, he went to the wrestling ring and just started fucking tombstoning people on glass. (laughs) Like, that's what it looks like. Defense. Defense. How great is
1: that movie? Falling
0: Down is the shit. I love it. It's so good. It's so good. But but that's what, what Joe reminds me of. Like, just in the business shirt and, like, yeah. just nothing but Y-fronts and, and business shirts or whatever, like, just covered in blood. Right. Just looks like a psycho. Just,
1: just snapped. Wife at home, just snapped.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Not that far so, from his real life. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he's a security guard. and He's ready to pop off at any moment. Right, 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 right. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, uh, obviously, guys, you want to work, things you're going to do. Um it's just really waiting for the healing kind of process, I, I guess. Have they given you some kind of like a time frame and stuff?
1: I mean, luckily, I, I actually took this month off, December off. Um, so it, I want to, I don't want to say uh, good timing for yeah. a bad. Also, you didn't
0: healed. have to really cancel any bookings or anything like that.
1: Right, 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 right. So luckily, uh, I don't have anything to the New Year anyway. So I'll be, I'll be healed by then. I mean, I'll be healed in a couple of days. Yeah, yeah. I mean,
0: not healed, healed,
1: but enough for where I can act like a idiot, like (laughs) proceed with normal, you know, uh, procedure.
0: Um,
1: so, you know, I'm going to focus on finishing recording this, uh, the crippler album, Yes. which is, we just were in the middle. We got like vocals to do on a couple songs and then just guitar leads and accents like pick slides and shit, and then mix it down. And we're going to start playing out some shows. Uh, so we'll pr- I'll prepare that all during the month of December and then hit the gym real hard. And then t- December 1st or um, January 1st is TCW and then uh, my buddy Dan's getting married. So I got to go to a fucking wedding and wear a tie and shit. It sucks. But um, who's my tag partner in Storm Entry? Like yeah,
0: yeah. Dan O'Hare. Officer O'Hare. I,
1: it, it's the same day as... um. ICW with Joe in it, so I was supposed to be on that show. But uh, I would be a real piece of shit if I didn't go to the guy. He's my old roommate. I play in a band with him, and he's my tag team partner. I'd be a real piece of shit if I didn't go to his wedding.
0: Did he consider what ICW was doing though before he booked the wedding? I'm just saying, who's in the wrong first?
1: (laughs) No, no, I I don't think he did this. He booked this like five months ago.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: Well, I'm sure his wife booked it. He didn't book it. (laughs) (laughs) Book shit. <laughs> but, um, then after that there's xpw is their their second show in la wow. uh it, it's the deathmatch tournament for the deathmatch belt mm-hmm. um a couple other things lined up i don't know this trying to think you look at my calendar in my head but
0: i get hit in the head a
1: lot so it's kind of hard to uh Imagine
0: things without looking at them these days. Oh, well, absolutely. Well, I I can't uh, I can't criticize you too much uh, with as much fucking trouble as I had trying to organize our times for this. Uh, we, we can, nobody can be throwing stones when they live in glass houses over here. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But man, I really want to thank you for your time, dude. It's been so fun talking to you. Um, it's been, been like a real, uh, bucket list one for me, a big fan. Uh, tell the people where to find all your shit online and, and also where to find the crippler because I did get a sneak peek of that track and it was sounding heavy as fuck.
1: Um, all right. Well, you can find me at Schlack one eight seven at Facebook or, um, Instagram. I'm banned from Twitter because too much blood. Uh, or my website is <laughs> nice. Uh You uh, you can find the, the Crippler Band on Facebook or Instagram. That's currently the band I'm in right now. I have a documentary coming out on that band, Eat the Turnbuckle, I was talking about. Oh, see. Uh, they dumped dump like $30,000 in this documentary. Oh. It's got like Gigi Allen's brother in it, like Merle Allen. It's got Randy from Lamb of God. It's got... Uh, Jeff Clayton from Annie Scene. It's got a ton of uh, wrestlers in it, you know, like Matt Tremont and fucking, the list goes on and on. There's there's like 40 cameos from people of noteworthy presence far beyond mine in uh in wrestling and, and in um uh, music the music scene. Um, and it's about the lifespan of that band, e the Turnbull, the 10 year lifespan, us from going playing from the entire span of the band that was filmed every single show from the beginning to the end that's backstage bullshit from there playing to walking in Germany with Iron Maiden in front of 250,000 people Jesus. so some crazy band that's bleeding all over the place actually made it all around the world multiple times but whatever that should be coming out in uh, probably January awesome. it's going to be on Amazon Prime it's going to be hopefully we can get it on Netflix it's going to be in the Sundance Film Festival wow yeah, yeah. it's, it's crazy. It's legit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the story of the band is so fucking absurd. Yeah. You know, that even if you don't like wrestling or metal, just the fact that, you know, the story of it is, is actually kind of heartwarming, actually. It's, it's bizarre. Oh, like, well, the, the little engine that could.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, I mean, like you said, it was just friends, like, putting together everything they wanted to do and finding a way to be assholes on stage and then getting to do it all around the world.
1: Right, right, like an impossible, almost an impossible feat that the planets had to align to get to that point of playing with Iron Maiden in front of 250,000 people across the seas. just a series of events that are, you know, once in a lifetime, you know, that would never, ever happen, except for unless it's who you know, like we said in the beginning. Uh, Well, that documentary is called Stabbed in the Face, that comes (laughs) That out Family-friendly title for Netflix, yep. Okay. All right. The new Crippler album probably will come out in January too. Uh, that album is called I'm Just Gonna Let Myself In. <laughs> uh, like I said, Sbw Return Show, GCW in January. Uh, new Year's, rather. Uh, a couple other shows. You could just look on my Instagram or my Facebook Blabbing, saying some dumb bullshit. Uh, that's about it.
0: And we can find him everywhere, basically, because it sounds like you can have a pretty busy new year. Yes, sir. That's it. Man, thanks so much for your time. It's been killer talking to you. Just shooting the shit has been fucking awesome. Uh, so, everybody out there, follow all Slack shit. Check out The Crippler. Check out Stabbed in the Face, uh, the documentary in January. It's going to be sick. And uh, so for slack and for Faces and Feels, remember it's all about peace, love, and fucking deathmatch wrestling. Thanks everyone for listening. Faces and Feels is a DIY project created and edited in-house by me, Rafe Houston. You can show your support by following us on Instagram, at Faces Twitter, at FacesFeelsCast and Facebook, at FacesFeelsCast, Or send us an email with topic suggestions or feedback to facesandfeels at gmail.com. And don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes. Our banger theme is Loose Lips Sink Ships by the Thunder Vipers. Check it out on Spotify. And now hang around for a quick word from some friends of the show. Peace out. My body is a roadmap of pain. Deathmatchworldwide.com official online merchandise store that is only for deathmatch
1: wrestling featuring official t-shirts from no peace underground john wayne murdoch akira madman pondo soda 23 neil diamond cutter g raver schlack necro butcher and many more
0: A brand celebrating a love of music and deathmatch wrestling. Follow on Instagram at vinyls and violence. Follow on Twitter at Legalize Ranch, and that's Ranch with two H's. And buy the shirts from DeathmatchWorldwide.com. Vinyls and Violence. I'm pretty sure it's like some weirdo shit like Pokemon or something.